0: Welcome to another episode of the eSports Network podcast presented by eSports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Reams. Today's podcast is an interview with Henry Holm. Holmes is the CEO of Fandom Sports. Fandom Sports is a relatively new company, and they're releasing an app in June that provides a conversation platform for sports and eSports fans. The tagline of the app is, Pick a Fight, Talk Trash, Get Rewarded and really their goal is to turn conversations and debates around sports and esports into a virtual currency. Everything's backed up through the blockchain. And our conversation talks about the app, their goals, and then the difference between how people consume sports and esports. And the app will have different sections for sports and esports, with the esports one going even more in depth and moving to the games themselves, rewarding people for playing the games, for watching the games. So we talk about how esports are providing even more opportunities for engagement as opposed to physical sports because you couldn't quantify playing a pickup basketball game or running a mile but you can quantify playing a csgo game so we talk about how tech companies are adapting to the new opportunities in esports and finally we talk about the blockchain and provide an overview of that technology for people unfamiliar with it and why it is so important in this age of a very data-conscious and tech-savvy audiences, in esports especially. So now let's get right into the interview with Henry Holm, the CEO of Fandom Sports. Welcome back to the Esports Network podcast. Now I'm joined by Henry Holm. Holm is the CEO of Fandom Sports. It's a new app. I explained what the app does a little bit. Henry, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks, Mitch. So I explained a little bit about the app previously, but I wanted you to give me your elevator pitch for what this app is and what makes it unique.
1: So we built this app for sports and eSports superfans. It's a really safe place for people to go and talk about things they like it's all about play predict and get rewarded on a blockchain environment
0: yes when you say get rewarded what what exactly does that mean how does that process work on the app
1: so we have different options here uh we will start with a very, very simple use case in the beginning because once you give your phone number to us, you don't become the product. You're actually part of the community, community of 2 million people who really like the same thing. Take Live Sports as an example. Our app is going live on June. We're testing out on May 26th. And once you register, you become part of this community, like-minded people who like to talk about sports, You know, literally trash talk sometimes. You know the, the opposing teams and and, and really, um, you know, boost their own heroes and 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 you know, teams and and, and sports and and players they love.
0: Yeah, um, I, I often so this, this, oh. sorry. Yeah, please. I I often think that sports fans like to talk about sports almost more than they actually like to watch it.
1: That's correct. So now now everything what you do you know requires our internal up currency fan coins it's a registered trademark of fandom sports media corporation and once you have that in-game currency, you can create and consume. So the rewards are literally about your, you know, status, position, bragging rights. But because it's on the blockchain, it gives us an opportunity to create more digital rewards. And we've been testing out even, you know, rewards that we bring people into in-real-life events, games, as a VIP. You know, you get into a backstage met you know, get to meet, you know, your heroes. Um, uh, you, you are part of that absolutely amazing super fan content it's your day Um, and that's what we're here to do
0: yeah it's a a really cool concept and it does revolve around the blockchain and i assume our audience being a little more esports heavy people are probably familiar with the blockchain people definitely know what it is but for the people who maybe have heard about blockchain but aren't super familiar with it could you break down exactly what that technology is and what it's been impacting recently? So blockchain for
1: us is a use case um, from IBM's Hyperledger and Linux Foundation's product. Um, We take IBM blockchain platform as a service into our technology stack. We also have been using a lot of other IBM uh, components to build this platform. Um, This distributed ledger gives you a, a environment for us actually to scale globally, build that trust between the players that their accounts are not tampered. We don't have bots in the network. We don't create um, a situation where there could be fraud. Every transaction is recorded. Uh, that it's safe. Uh, it's trustworthy. And once you onboard the players to this environment, it's almost like their personal, you know, virtual currency bank account. That they can trust that, you know, whatever is on that account is there. It's being earned. It's, you know, it's it's something that has a real value within the ecosystem.
0: Yeah. and any time you're dealing with a new virtual currency, unfortunately, we've had so many previous issues used without blockchain integration of virtual currencies or security being mishandled or mismanaged. So the blockchain, I think, really help set people's fears to ease as they come onto a new platform or new app.
1: Correct. And especially in this case, because we really use a you know, reliable provider of the technology. So IBM being one of the largest uh, enterprise solutions out there, you know, even smaller startups like us, you know, we can, we can really benefit from all the hard work that they have put into place uh, to service their large enterprise customers. Their product scales really well for the, the startup companies as well.
0: Yeah. So, how long has Phantom Sports been in uh, in the iteration? How long is what's the design process been like? So, the app will be releasing uh, on May twenty sixth. So, but how long has been the run up to this?
1: You know, I just love this question because. Once we separate really the company from the product that we are here to launch, the product itself was designed on a, in a, a design sprint in San Diego in April 2018. We handpicked globally the best people that we could you know, identify uh, to start building a, a super fan experience and a platform for esports and sports alike. So it's been a one-year journey. We raised 3.2 million dollars, uh, Canadian dollars, uh, a few months earlier, for this journey, and and uh, we are going live now, 12 months after. It's extremely fast process, and you know it's never easy to build anything from the scratch. You know, a platform plus an application. So there's a lot of you know possibilities that things don't work out so well. You know, we've been fortunate that we had such a good, strong support network. Not only IBM, but also then our data providers, like, you know, Sport Radar, who's really good in this industry of, of giving uh, sports statistics and esports statistics. So I feel very comfortable and
0: confident. Certainly. And product. with all the new companies doing more esports tracking and esports metrics, this is, of course, an esports podcast. And while Fandom is about all the sports and esports, I do Want to focus a little bit on the esports area. So, do you think it would have been possible to do something like fandom in esports even two or three years ago?
1: It would be difficult. Um, I would say that, um, th- this platform right now, if, even you know, just taking the, the blockchain as an example, it has gone through, a, through a, such a dramatic change in the last 12 months. We also use uh, you know, a, a cloud uh, service called Kubernetes, uh, which is you know, a you know, we we literally put you know our our whole platform into containers that are transferable then between a different cloud solution. So if you want to build a global platform to satisfy the esports market, you know you need to have these latest technologies on the background to to be able to build an absolutely amazing user experience. In our experience, you know we take the player you know. Uh, Data from your game uh, to build quests, uh, build this uh, capability of play, predict, and get rewarded. And on the prediction side, you know, you can predict the upcoming, you know, events inside of that, you know, the arena where you are watching the esports game, or maybe you are at home streaming um, and you participate, you know, the super fandom of, of of you know of the finals. Or it could be just a smaller event. Mm-hmm. where, you know, you just want to predict the next upcoming, um, you
0: know, gaming, gaming event. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned quests in there and that's really interesting to me. Can you give me an example of what a quest would look like on the app?
1: Okay. So, um, we, we have, we have, you know, different type of quests, but I can describe, for example, you know, that you would be playing, you know, first person shooter game of your CSGO, um, you you would you would play that game anyway on a daily basis. You either with your friends, you know, just to practice, you know, certain you know things that you know you want to get better at. Uh, with the quests, uh, we can give you daily quests where we can track your performance, your achievements, as well as then give you rewards on on an extra rewards, you know, on on your you know time spent on that particular game. So that it really creates a really strong use case between that the game title the game's company and then the fan 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 audience and and the, you know, kind of the fandom it itself which is the most important part of you know monetization model in esports anyway
0: yeah and th- that's so interesting because esports is so different from traditional sports you obviously can't reward somebody for going out to play pickup basketball or Go out to the pitch and and play a game, so being able to reward people through technology with technology is is so something very central and unique to esports.
1: That is absolutely correct, and what we really like about this one is that that uh, the players themselves, you know, they're very. Digitally savvy already, so you know you don't have to uh, change any of the you know consumer behavior or behavior itself. Uh, it's all about trust. Would you trust you know a a you know another company uh, to to take your player data? Uh, what's what's the upside? What's the downside? You know how much more information you need to get out of your player data that you would say that well you know this is definitely worth for me to actually consent for the other company to take uh, and then display it back to me as my, you know, my scores you know, also track my performance and everything else. So all this is possible uh, with the current technology, you know, open API. Some, some APIs of course are already provided by third party uh, service providers and some are just open directly from the game.
0: Yeah. So do you have to work with those different service providers to integrate uh, fan uh, to integrate the app into the the game launcher and how the games played.
1: Definitely, when we talk about you know uh, games like you know Faceit would be a good example. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain providers who are very close and you know, very very trustworthy for for that. You know, same goes for the ESL. Um, so these these data um, is is being not only you know gathered, hosted, validated by. By companies who's doing this as 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 their business, so we can partner with them. You know, we can buy directly you know from, from those companies those data points. But it doesn't always stop there. You know, there's always a possibility for you know integrating you know, player accounts directly to the backend server.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I believe I'm going to title this uh, esports and blockchain because I think blockchain is such an interesting thing. So I want to circle back to that technology a little bit more and go a little bit broad because you are an expert. I mean, you're the CEO of a company developing an app based on the blockchain. So I think it's fair to say you're at least (laughs) pretty proficient in in the technology. And I'm curious how... Beyond just fandom, how you see blockchain impacting the sports and esports worlds in the coming years?
1: So we looked at, looked into this this use case quite some time. So we had a we had an MVP app out there, uh, mainly Android based, just to you know test out people's behavior, uh, their you know their preferences, um, uh, how often they would use this kind of an application. Uh, what would actually make them excited about it and and our conclusion is really that it's the all industries moving away from a very broadcast centric yes it's it's important that you are part of the stream that you you are consuming you know what has been given to you you know that you are looking at the game you you hear the commentators you know you enjoy that but you still have your own opinion you still have your own Social craft that you want to influence, and way beyond that, you know, there are people who are interested about your opinion, and and what are the outlets, you know, today? There, there is no really one single destination. There's several different outlets, of course, you know, where you can you know have these conversations and discussions. But can you take a technology like a blockchain and then build the reward system around it, not on our current platforms? And that's what we. We identified as a, a really big gap in a marketplace that that you are rewarded on your actions, content consumption, content creation, um, your you know activities. Now we talk about these transactional activities. So hey, let's forecast you know what's going to happen in the next ten seconds in the game. You know who's going to die or you know is the mm-hmm. bomb going to be you know, defused? Uh, so that's one way. Those often go very much into you know, uh, esports betting. We use a very similar kind of a technology, if not even the, the same uh, technology point of view, you know, understanding the content and and, and the, uh, the the players and the player relationships. Uh, but this is not about you know, betting or or gambling. This is all about kind of social interaction and social content creation with the same data sets and parameters now blockchain itself you know often in a use case of you know building uh, a trust between parties who don't know each other you know as a one use case this is a very relevant use case for us as well you know the players they don't know each other uh, maybe the brand who participates do not know you know all the you know transacting parties and they don't have to because everything has been smart contracted into a you know an agreement how you know the, the transaction will go under the certain circumstances so this trust is is a really important piece of you know of, of the, uh, the business model
0: yeah it's definitely something more people are becoming aware of as the world in general becomes more tech savvy um, data privacy and we've seen it in a lot of different areas I don't want to get too far off track but I think the world as a whole is getting more tech savvy and with that comes a bigger concern over where their data is, who has it and what they're doing with it is, uh, is especially important. So having the trust yes. that your data is contained within the blockchain and it is um, made anonymous basically and impossible to really track and place back to you is, is just so important in this now more tech savvy world.
1: This is a really important point, what you're actually pointing out. So, so once once we were looking into this in 18 months time frame, you know, before we we, we lock down, okay, this is going to be our product concept. Um, we we really understood that you know that more data you collect is not necessarily more benefit for you. You know, it's actually more burden. So we don't we don't collect the, the player data in a way that we would productize these people. These people are actually part of the community. They are who actually make that community they own there are certain rules within the community how they interact and behave you know esports it's a very non-toxic environment this is very important for us you know that you don't bring that toxicity uh, into this community and and um we, we we don't productize people we only thing what we do is actually their phone id and uh, phone number creates a, a blockchain wallet and account into the IBM Hyperledger uh, uh, platform, which is then theirs to keep. They can delete it. They you know We, we don't take any other information from these people. Uh, we don't track their whereabouts, what other things they do. That's not our interest. Our interest is purely their passion to their sports, their game, their teams, the events. That moment when that passion is at its peak is the peak moment for us then to monetize that opportunity. And sometimes it becomes a two-way street. There might be even a revenue share model where the content creator who put that most interesting and engaging content out there gets a virtual currency revenue share from the wealth and economic value created. So that's what blockchain gives uh, on the background as a very diverse, secure business model.
0: Definitely. It's so it's so really interesting, and I'm excited to use the app when it comes out. Uh, again, late May is when the app's releasing. You mentioned in there toxicity, and policing toxicity has been a really big topic in esports, uh, especially recently. I mean, Twitch chat, known for its toxicity, Twitter, just the social media platforms... So when you have a community based app based on conversation and interaction, how do you anticipate policing toxicity and preventing it from getting too out of hand? Because it is you are catering to a community, sports and esports fans who are known to be very passionate, let's say, about their team and what they think. Mm,
1: great question. Um I need to divide this you know, this question into two different parts. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the live sports. So, how, how did we approach the live sports? We actually uh, we understood that you know live sports is is highly competitive. There is a you know very big part of the whole of entertainment is trash talking so our you know taglines for not only the company but the whole live sporting app you know it's a pick a fight talk trash get rewarded it sounds very aggressive but if you think about picking a fight it's not about physical fight or even you know a, a, you know a verbal fight so to speak but it is from a fan fights, you know on the app choose one and you know say your piece um and the trash talking then you know is, is really the result of how flammable is this content to the other audience, you know, how they support, how they're against it, you know, what's their viewpoint. On eSports, we took a quite different approach. And now I have to be very explicit here that we do not launch the eSports app on 26th of May for you know, testing, mm-hmm. it's still under development. So what I say here is is, is something that is on wireframes. Um, so we, we wanted to make sure that the esports environment, that community, is is a safe place, and and two reasons. One is that you know our advisory board, uh, you know, are made out of people who actually make their living from being the you know, Twitch streamers, you know, team owners, uh, you know, pro or ex-pro, you know, gamers. So so they understand what possible downside they could be if if this environment is not built you know, you know ground up on a certain certain rules and premise so it's not only that the, the community themselves would be governing this but we also you know have you know technology to support us you know being that then certain words used certain type of video material you know exposed so having that you know AI technology, you know, machine learning technology, either from a word point of view or then, then you know, a picture analysis or video analysis point of view, keeps that environment safe.
0: Ah, that's really interesting. So just for clarification, you said the esports app is, or esports side of the app is still in development. When, what's the timetable? that on correct. That one? Oh, uh,
1: as a public company, we have not announced that
0: timetable. Yes. Oh, no. yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, and I imagine, like we talked about earlier, the more tech heavy side of the esports side of the app makes it different than the traditional physical sports side. So there are a lot of different aspects going into that esports side compared to the, I guess, the flagship, the traditional sports side of the app, which is releasing later this month.
1: Correct. That's correct. That is correct, and if if and if you think about it, you know, even the audience is you know overlapping. So people who are extremely passionate about you know esports and follow esports and play games, you know, they still follow sports as well. There's you know, one third of the audience overlap, but their behavior changes quite a bit when they shift over from live sports to esports or vice versa. So why do you one think that app, is? well i think it's the nature of nature of the you know of of the uh, of, of of the content as you know the sports you follow and you know the the teams you know everything else uh, how often you know when you follow you know let's say you know football you're you're extremely passionate about football yeah you can you can practice football you may be a football player but are you to the level of the um, you know, you're you're a fan. You know who you are. You know, uh, fan fan of. And and would you be able to do you know similar kind of practice rounds? You know that they can on esports. You can. You actually play the same games. You are in the same scenes. You know, you you play the same roles. Um, so so, your experience is quite different. It's really experience, not necessarily knowledge that has been gained by reading or watching. Um, and, yeah. and, and that changes the context quite a bit.
0: It definitely and that does. excites
1: us because, because if you think about, like, is there a global sport? Yeah, many people say that, yeah, of course, yeah, like, take a soccer, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: Followed a closest thing. Followed by, you know,
1: hundreds of millions, yeah, hundreds of millions of people. But is it global? Is it, you know, so is, is the Premier League the same as La Liga or, you know, or, that, mm. you know, the, the, the soccer players, you know, in other parts of the world, maybe not so much, but esports definitely is, and it's not controlled by, you know, any other entity than the creator of the game and the community itself, the fandom. So that that makes it very very interesting, and that's why when we look at you know from a business model point of view. The esports is just in its infancy. The growth rates are, of course, percentage-wise massive. But you know, being a billion-dollar business, it's a lot of money. But it's not nearly as much as you know when you talk about you know live sports, or being you know north of six hundred fifty billion or so you know global market, or even you know taking seventy-five billion dollars in a US US market, just in a very segmented way.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, there's so so there's a,
1: there's a there's a massive growth opportunity. NFL itself is 13 billion dollar business. You know, it's like 13 yeah. times the size of an esports market, a global
0: esports market. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. There's the individual teams yeah. worth three times, four times. Like I, I think the last, uh, the last sports evaluations that Forbes does every year was uh, the Yankees were 4.6, the Dallas Cowboys were four, Barcelona and. Like, there are three billion, and like you said, the global eSports market is one billion. So while it has grown a lot, um, it is definitely the, the sports behemoths are still on just a completely another planet compared to eSports.
1: And then if you look at the, the video consumption, you know, how much of the eSports um, video material is created and con- consumed? The consumption numbers are just going through the roof and you know if you think about that as a as a broadcast that's as a part of will that be the content that is licensed or is that actually the vehicle where the business model the brands integrated brands, and then the advertisers are actually brought into it's going to be the latter and Mm -hmm. same time if you compare you know the, the two major media so one which is a very personalized device your mobile phone, your smartphone, the smaller screen, or then your personal, you know, gaming device, being that in a laptop or something else, you know, it could be a console, but many on laptop in a PC environment, that has the consumption of the content rather than television, television becomes rather um, broadcasty and an old media, so to speak, it Requires a companion app. Doesn't matter how you're going to put it. You know, there, there must be a, something that is consumed while watching that, you know, sporting
0: event. Yeah, no a second screen a viewing, sports. whether it's Twitter second or screen. a Reddit live feed, or even I've I've known people who watch a game on TV and open up the Twitch chat of an online stream for the game, so that they have that With, constant source. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah, and it's... then more
1: and more content is, is created from the content itself. So, if you think about it, is is the is the prime time the the game itself that streamed game, or is it the conversation about the game? You know, hmm. they, they 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 both carry its, their own merits, and you know, and a very fan centric, fan to fan, super fan to fan type of a content is increasing all the time. And they are not social influencers they are fans they are people who have you know, a meaningful things to say and and they may claim that you know status of social influencer you know uh, through that but that's that's so important in you know, a part of, of the whole whole market and, and the experience
0: yeah how you get your community around sports is something that's still evolving and obviously this is a, a niche you guys are targeting with the app. But it's – so my preferred platform is Twitter. I'll use anecdotal experiences because that's what I know. Today, uh, two of my teams are playing in playoff games, the St. Louis Blues and the Portland Trail Blazers. And the Blazers are losing by, I I don't know, it was 20 when I had to go do this podcast. And honestly, you saved me from having to watch any more of that game. Um, But how I got my news is constantly refreshing my Twitter feed. And it's not – Ideal I've you know after time I've curated a, a Group of people who I like to follow who are live tweeting about games and providing that commentary But it's spliced in with retweets and e- random eSports news and stuff So it's not you know, I'm watching this game. I'm focused on this game But the community I'm having to interact with is a little bit segmented Thanks to my Twitter followers, and there's not quite the room I guess that I'd be looking for. I just don't think the perfect sports viewing community platform is out there yet.
1: That's our bet as well. And and you just described the behavior, and, and it's 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 going to mainstream. So and even if you think you know, who, who, how many people are are willing and capable of creating an original content is less, but who's able to amplify it's more.
0: Mm.
1: But then when it comes comes to you know your, your personal opinions about your you know your heroes your you know your teams or the gaming situations your opinions there is plenty of more and it's very relevant you know um or, you know original content as well it's 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 time sensitive it, it relates to the to the event itself it's it's a second screen content creation so to speak and um you know today that that exists many places in many many places and and our previous app was very uh, ready very tight community vote up and down you know the opinions uh, we felt that you know it actually lacked this um, true engagement to the, to the to the content the the upcoming gaming events because the community is is it could be quite polarized you know that you know some some Sub community parts, you know, they, they only think a certain way. And, and that's where you, you know, you look at the Reddit. Would you find always from the top the best replies and the best insights to the mm. conversation? Often
0: not. So that's how fandom is going to operate as well with a sort of a Reddit upvote system pushing the content that is deemed the best by the most users to the top?
1: No, we tried that for a year and a half and we felt that that's mm.
0: not the winning model. I actually totally agree with you because Reddit has struggled in their live sports application because you go to a game thread and the top comments are ones from before the game because they're the ones that have been up the longest. And the second, once you get to the top, you stay at the top because you have the most eyes on you. So your other option is to sort by new and then new is just Twitch chat. Basically, it's just random strings of whatever it might be and Twitch chats quicker, but that's basically what reddit by new is so there isn't really a great balance between something that happens during a game so how does fan? how will the new app differ from that old model
1: so so how it differs is that um because we take the sport radar uh, data feed it's a real-time live you know millions of data points from the game we will launch first the experience just to get you know the users custom to to understand so-called predictions upcoming predictions of the game with the 50 questions before we open up the wizard for people to create their own predictions what will happen in a game so the simplest of the game you know, prediction is that who's gonna win A or B and then you can go for a very detailed you know, player level data you know to predict what is going to happen in a game. So that that creates that one single source of truth which also then gives you know the community to you know a chance to 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 debate certain sort of very specific events of the game even before the game takes place. And of course once those you know events have happened that's maybe the best time to really talk trash about you know I told you so.
0: Yeah, anything that gives me an outlet to talk some good-natured trash is something I'm always interested in. Um, So, Henry, we're going to wrap up here. I've taken a lot of your time, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on this podcast. I wanted to give you the opportunity. We've talked about a lot of different things, blockchain, esports versus sports, the app, how it works. Um, But if there's anything I didn't ask you about or that didn't come up in our conversation... I um, want to give you the, the opportunity to to have a closing word, I guess. Okay, thank you. Um, I really enjoyed
1: this one. Very unique opportunity. Thanks. Um, thank you for all the listeners. Uh, check out the Fandom Sports app uh, for live sports. Uh, it's going to be distributed through iOS and, and Android stores in June. Uh, join the beta testing, uh, and uh, let's make this a success. Thank you.
0: Awesome, thank you. And we will update you to the listeners. We will update you when the esports one, Uh, Henry, if you could just let me know when that is something that you have a release date for, and I'll be sure to do an update because obviously we do have a very esports-focused audience, so I'm sure they'll be interested in when that aspect of the platform is coming out. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. It's, what, 10 a.m. over in Bangkok right now?
1: It's closing to midday.
0: Closing to midday. Midday. Okay, yeah, it's 10 p.m. for me, so we are on completely different schedules. I'm wrapping up my day. You're just getting yours started. But thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Really appreciate the conversation. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. So that was Henry Holm, the CEO of Fandom Sports. I think we mentioned enough times when the app comes out. It's late May, and that is for traditional sports only, and I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't know that going into the the conversation, but it does make sense considering they're doing these different aspects of the eSports app, which is bringing in playing games, interacting with games, that happen tech based obviously that isn't something you can do in traditional sports so a little bit of a disconnect there of what is coming out later this month but we will update you when the Phantom Sports app extends to esports it'll probably be in twenty nineteen but again if you mentioned he mentioned earlier this started in April of twenty eighteen so they're working very quickly. But they might have put a more of a focus on traditional sports immediately to get it to market, and then esports will be something they develop afterwards. So, not sure when that releases. But I hope you enjoyed the conversation, learning about blockchain and how it's gonna it's gonna be a really important technology in this tech savvy world, in the esports world, and it's it's important to know a little bit about it. So I encourage you to to read up on blockchain a little bit. And the one last closing remark I had is if you remember on a couple podcasts ago, I mentioned that there was a Nielsen podcast coming out where I talked to their general manager of esports over at Nielsen Ratings. Well, my computer died. It got water damage and it totally broke and it's salvageable, but I have been fiddling with it and opening it up and trying to remove corrosion and seeing if it works. And it turns on, and I've made progress on it, but the computer is still in an interesting place, and that is where the Nielsen podcast, which was recorded about a week ago, I think a week and a half ago, is still at. And that podcast is actually relevant to some of the things we talked about here, because what we talked about on that podcast is how Measuring eSports viewers. So traditional sports measured through linear, which is what Nielsen does better than anybody else in the American media field, is they measure linear TV viewers. So they measure how many people are watching the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the Super Bowl. It's what they did. So now they're extending that to eSports and they're trying to figure out how many people are watching Twitch chat because a lot of times those numbers are conflated and they are not the same, the way Twitch tracks a viewer and the way Nielsen tracks a viewer is quite different and Twitch and in fact the other streaming platforms, Twitch, YouTube, Mixer, Facebook Live, all track viewers differently. So it's been very difficult for advertisers to get cut through all those different numbers as they try and spend their money on esports. So that's what Nielsen is helping because they're the company most advertisers trust already. So talking with with her is great and I'm just trying to, I'm about to bite the bullet and just go get a new computer and salvage the RAM, um, salvage all my data off of it, but I haven't given up quite yet. So if you're wondering where that Nielsen podcast is, it is sitting on my brick of a computer right now. Um, <laughs> but hopefully there'll be an update for that this week. Other than that, a couple other things coming up this week. Tomorrow talking to Matt Edelman. He is the SVP of Super League Gaming. They're a company that's done a lot of big name partnerships, Top Golf, uh, other partnerships. There's there we'll talk about a lot of those different partnerships with Matt. What they're basically trying to do is be the Little League of Esports. So they're hosting a bunch of amateur events in a variety of different cities. They just added Street Fighter V, which I thought was a really interesting choice for somebody who's focusing on Little League to add probably the most graphically violent game in the eSports world. So I'm excited to talk to Matt a little bit about that and how they settled on Street Fighter V for a company that is aiming... Like, right now they host events in Minecraft and League of Legends. And the Minecraft one skews a bit younger, as you might expect, and the League of Legends one a bit older... Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how Street Fighter fits into that and really what SLG is trying to be in esports, which is really the Little League of Gaming, as Matt has described to me previously. So, that conversation will be coming up tomorrow. The Well, yeah, tomorrow, because this podcast is going to go up on May 8th, and then that podcast will be going up on May 9th. It's currently May 7th, and... They'll be going up a day after the conversation. So May 9th, Matt Edelman, and then May 10th, we got three podcasts for you this week. We're catching up because we fell behind with the computer breaking. That last one is the architecture firm who is designing an eSports stadium for Team Vital- Vitality in the center of Paris. So we're going to be talking about what goes into designing an physical esports space especially in a hub like paris so i'm going to be talking a little bit about the french esports scene how team vitality fits into that and what their their goal is to make vitality a leader in in french esports and there's a couple other organizations out there psg esports being a big one they have a facility in paris saint germain in the football facilities they have an esports section so it'll be really interesting to talk about what goes into designing an esports facility, what they're trying to do, and you know what the future of a team vitality looks like. But anyways, this was an interview with Henry Holm, the CEO of Fandom Sports, on the Esports Network podcast presented by Esports Network. I'm Mitch Reams. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, give me some feedback, please. Remember to rate and subscribe if you enjoyed the podcast. We're relatively new and all those little clicks of the mouse help us more than you could imagine. So, thank you to all our listeners. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Look forward to those other podcasts coming in the coming days and or week, depending on my brick of a computer. (laughs) Well, thanks.